In a new op-ed for The New York Times, Charles M. Blow argues that we are edging closer to civil war. Recently, we heard from another billionaire hedge fund guy that he believes there's a 30% chance of a civil war occurring in this country. And if you've listened to my commentary over the past few years, I've also advanced the theory, prospect, of civil war in the United States. Now, a lot of people are reluctant to actually agree with this idea or say it could happen. And even if they do, like in this circumstance, the New York Times, they never want to say that it would be soldiers marching at each other or armed individuals in some kind of conflict. They always end up saying something like, well, it'll probably be in courts and in culture. And that's mostly true. And I, I say that to a certain degree, you know, fourth and fifth generational warfare. But of course, that does include kinetic warfare, which we want to avoid at all costs. But there's a really good reason why we're edging closer towards a civil war, as this New York Times article actually states. Although this article is more from a leftist establishment perspective, it basically says that abortion may be the big issue, or at least similar to the issue of slavery, something that conservatives have argued and something I've argued as well. Now, that being said, I am not saying at any point I believe with 100% certainty there will be a kinetic civil war. I do believe with 100% certainty that we are in a fourth and fifth generational civil war. Fourth and fifth generational warfare refers to subversive tactics, information manipulation, psychological operations, and not so much street or urban warfare or, you know, ground battle or kinetic warfare, as it were. We're in it. There's several reasons to believe we are, and both this billionaire hedge fund guy and the guy at the New York Times hit the nail on the head. Ideology. The billionaire basically says that when emotional or political issues, tribal issues are more important than the system, history tells us civil war happens. And he's right. You have wokeness versus anti-wokeness, whatever you want to call it, libertarian versus authoritarian. You've got just establishment politics versus populist politics, left versus right, however you want to break it down. There are two overarching spheres of influence that are at odds with each other. Now, of course, you and I fall into one of these camps, which tends to lean in the right direction. But that doesn't necessarily mean everybody involved is on the right. Certainly my politics, when it comes to actual policy, eh, somewhat center left. But when it comes to reality, I think the biggest factor in what's causing a civil war is the false reality and actual reality. Now, the left likes to cite that, you know, Colbert thing, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, reality has a liberal bias. That's what he says, which, you know, may have been true to a certain extent a long time ago, but it's certainly not true today. Right now, the issue is, do you believe in the truth or do you live in the fictional world that tells you inflation is good for you? If you read the likes of The Intercept, a progressive publication, they say inflation is a good thing while the economy crumbles. But anyone who knows history will tell you that if food prices get too high, civil war you get. At least it's one of the factors. And right now, outside of the expanding conflict in the culture war and the, and the, and the two different spheres of influence, we have food prices higher than they've been in a very long time. You add all of these things together, and I think it stands to reason we are dangerously close to kinetic civil war. Now, dangerous clo dangerously close could still be five years. There's a, an article uh, in. Let me read the New York Times article because uh, Charles mentions a guy back during the Civil War. I think he does back during the Civil War who he said was the, uh, the godfather of the Civil War, but he died 11 years before it even happened. 
what you need to understand is there are many people who are choosing ideology over anything else. More importantly, they're choosing tribe over anything else. Now, many in our sphere of influence won't do that. And that's why I say it's actual reality. I got no problem saying Trump is an arrogant blowhard who pissed off a lot of people. And for that, he lost an election. I'm not going to simply adhere to any tribalist narrative. That's just my opinion. You know, it's individualist. And that's our sphere of influence tends to be more individualist versus the establishment collectivist. But still, when faced with the prospect of a woke cult like authoritarian regime, I think a lot of people will find themselves standing standing shoulder to shoulder. Let me show you some of the data points and break down the argument from The New York Times on why they think a civil war is coming. And I have a lot of a lot to say on this matter. But I do want to shout out TimCast.com before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com, become a member to help support videos like this, support my work and support our journalists. We have a ton of journalists now working around the clock to produce articles, to fact check and just generally make sure you're informed to the best of our abilities. Yes, some of the articles are aggregation. Many of it is original reporting. We are funded just by your memberships. We, we do have ads on the site, but they're not a substantive part of what is funding this operation. It's you guys. If this is a service you want, you sign up to be a member, you get it. But we also have a ton of shows and you'll get access to members only segments from the Timcast IRL podcast. So with your support, we shall continue. But let's talk about the prospect of a civil war. The New York Times. Let me stress this. The New York Times on Sunday, which is like the big day, opinion we are edging closer to civil war. Now, I want to make a few points before I jump into all of this. A lot of people on the left like to, you know, say Tim quote civil war pool and they say Tim saying civil war, blah, blah, blah. One of the biggest aspects of this, which I include in the title, is that the media, the left are now claiming absolute definitive proof of Trump's attempt at a full on military coup, a PowerPoint A statement about the National Guard coming in to defend the Trump supporters staging the insurrection. I would like to stress to all the naysayers, when I was saying this years ago that I felt we were inching towards a civil war and may already be in one, we just haven't gotten to that point yet. A lot of people on the establishment left said, ha ha, so dumb, you're crazy. Well, that's because people have an optimism bias. It can't happen here. Everything's great. We're going to win, etc. Then on January 6th, about a thousand or so individuals stormed the Capitol. I think about 800 actually went inside. And the left called that, I should say, you know, the, the entirety of it, leftists and um, uh, the establishment, they called it a coup or an insurrection. So if you're now telling me, NBC, that Trump was planning to stage a full on military coup, if you have an article from Inquirer.com that says nothing is more important then Team Trump's January PowerPoint urging a full-blown coup, and you say the conspiracy is still happening, my friends, you agree with me. I don't care if your ideology is right or wrong. The point is, do you on the right and you on the left agree that we are closer to a civil war? I think most people would say yes. Maybe not. Maybe it's a plurality, not majority. But Charles M. Blow, who writes this article, he is not conservative. I agree with him a civil war is coming, and I disagree with him on his political stances. And for that, I agree with his overarching thesis. He writes, the Supreme Court on Friday issued a decision allowing abortion providers in Texas to continue challenging a new law that bans most abortion in the state after about six weeks of pregnancy. But while conservative, the conservative majority didn't close the door on abortion in Texas completely, the degree to which it is cracked allows in only a sliver of light. For now, the law in question, SB8, remains in the books. 
Anyone who assists in providing an illegal abortion for, from the provider down to the person who gives a woman a ride to the clinic can be sued. Roe v. Wade has essentially been overturned in the state, and soon that astonishing reality may not only become permanent, but there, but may also spread to other states. And I will also note, it was reported even by NBC, conservatives are signaling that come June of 2022, Roe v. Wade is done. And this just means states will decide whether or not abortion is legal or illegal. And I believe about 12 states, they have what's called trigger laws, which will instantly ban abortion. Could abortion be the issue similar to slavery? I think the answer is yes. But I think the left doesn't realize they stand on the losing edge of this. You see, let me let, let me read for this. I want, I want, to, I want to explain to you. Uh, and I'll give you some context. It will help. In 1837, this is from Charles. Good, good writing, by the way, Charles. I don't agree with you on a lot of politics, but you make some really great points. He writes, in 1837, Calhoun railed in a speech on the Senate floor that slavery had grown up with our society and institutions and is so interwoven with them that to destroy it would be to destroy us as a people. He continued, but let me not be understood as admitting, even by implication, that the existing relations between the two races and slaveholding states is evil. Far otherwise, he, uh, he's quoted as saying he believes it was good. As it has thus far proved itself to be both and will continue to prove, so if not disturbed by the fell spirit of abolition. Now, of course, this man is terribly wrong. But you see, the thing he's saying are what's important. I appeal to the to facts. He goes on. He, he basically goes on to say that he thinks the people who were taken from their homes and brought here, and the people who knew who know no other world and were stripped of their history, are better off for it. Yeah, I, I take serious issue with the idea that you can force someone from their home and then just be like, well, you're better off. No, it's not your choice. See, this is a very similar argument we get from many of the left, uh, left today on a lot of issues. You're, it's better for you. It's better for you. It's for the greater good. You're better off because of what we're doing to you. To force me to undergo a medical procedure, to force me from my home, to force someone in Australia to a camp to quarantine because it's for the greater good and we'll all live better for it is wrong. Obviously not the same. I'm just saying it's wrong to force people to do things without due process. Due process being the law or the judicial system. But here's what I find fascinating about this quote. He says that, you know, these things are good and they're part of our system and our society and our culture and abortion is and has been for a long time. That's why it's been, you know, for a legal, it's been a legal issue. Interestingly, slavery was a part of human history, and we know that's wrong today. I, I think, you know, as someone who grew up in an era without it, I have always felt it was wrong, especially reading the famous quotes from Frederick Douglass and the Founding Fathers. So, of course, abolition was the end of a moral injustice, the harming of other lives, the, the, the unethical, the evil nature of it. And people were willing to die to end it. But the people who were engaging in this practice just said it was a normal part of their lives and they weren't they weren't passionate about maintaining it. Some were. Now, we certainly have the, the pro-abortion crowd, and I think for the most part, they're dispassionate. And that's not a good thing. What I mean is they are mindlessly just saying they support pro-abortion legislation because it's tribal. However, Today, there are abortion abolitionists who want to end what they see as extreme injustice. I live very close to the John Brown raid headquarters. I mean, very close. I, I, it takes me 10 minutes to get there if I take my bike. And it's amazing to see. John Brown. You know the story of John Brown? What did he, I, I, I'm not, I can't get into the specifics, you know, because I just read the thing there. I know a little bit. But uh, out here, 
You know, at the casino, for instance, they have a $25 chip with John Brown on it. The dude was an abolitionist. He raided an armory. He, I, I think him and a bunch of people got, I, I, I don't want to get into the, the, the complete history of John Brown because I, I can't tell it to you. You know, I'm not a historian or an expert on the history of the John, of, of, of what he did. But what I can say is there were many people who were willing to die and take up arms to abolish what was seen by many in this country as popular, normal, and moral. And there were advocates for it. Now, it's hard to say. Everybody thinks they're on the right side of history. They're going to be like, you know, we're going to win this one, and then we'll say it was a good thing. But around the world, there was an awakening, an enlightenment. Slavery was wrong. It was always wrong. And now we know it. I mean, we've always known it. We grew up in a world where we understood the philosophy and the questions. Is the same true for abortion? I don't know. Now, he goes on to mention a lot of things, and he talks about his stance on slavery and states' rights was so severe, he has been called the father of secession and the man who started the Civil War, even though he died 11 years before the war commenced. Next year, if Roe v. Wade is overturned and states start banning abortion, will it play out very similarly? Will blue states threaten to secede from the union over this? What if a federal law gets passed? What if come 22, the Republicans take the House, pass legislation federally banning Think about this. 2022, June, Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. 2022, November, we see a new red tsunami. January 3rd, the Republicans are are sworn in. And the first thing they do is a federal ban on abortion. The blue states revolt. They say no. John Podesta already, according to the Boston Globe, told the West Coast to secede from the union. The new uh, Joe Biden, who's in office, what's he going to do? It's 2022. These things take time. By 2024, let's say before there's any secession, by 2024, Donald Trump is running. He wins. And with a new Republican executive branch, Supreme Court, Senate and House, it is official. The ban gets signed. Biden's veto. I mean, I'll tell you this, depending on what happens with Congress, Joe Biden might actually, you know, try to veto the bill. And who knows? I'm not saying any of this will happen. I'm just saying. Could it play out this way? First, I'll say maybe not, because I don't think Republicans have the gall to actually do anything. Unless, of course, people actually challenge the establishment and get in populists. You might actually see this happen, which I got to admit that in that regard, I think would be a bad thing. We don't want the United States going into conflict. But, you know, based on Donald Trump alone, they were talking about secession. The Democrats were. We already have polling showing that the plurality, there's a plurality of certain political factions in each region who want secession. It's probably a poor way of explaining it. But in the West Coast, it's Democrats. In the South, it's Republicans. In the Midwest, it's independents. And there are large groups, about 37.2% of people in this country, I did the math, are in favor of their region breaking apart from the U.S. We stand on the edge of a precipice into looking over oblivion. Let me play for you this clip. This is Ray Dalio, who makes a very important point. You write something alarming in the book. You see a 30% chance that there could be what you call a civil war here sometime in the next decade. Is that a metaphor? Are you talking about actual conflict? What do you mean by civil war and, and how might that play out? What I mean by civil war is the not following the rules, the Constitution, the rules agreeing by those rules, and having a power conflict that can take its various forms. What history taught me is that when the causes that people are behind are more important to them than the system, 
the system is in jeopardy. And that's the most important point, because he's correct. Well, let me show you a little bit about what we're hearing. From NBC News, White House official allegedly said National Guard troops would protect Trump supporters January 6. Emails from former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows are among files released to support the House's panel recommendation that he be held in contempt. Mark Meadows, of course, is refusing to cooperate with the January 6th committee. Now, here, it could go either way. What do, what, what do I mean by that? Well, as, as Ray said, when people's causes are more important than the system, your system is in jeopardy. Donald Trump, Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon, Mark Meadows, people uh, in at the time and formerly of the Trump administration believed that Trump had been well, he had been he had he, he, the election was stolen, they say. And regardless of whether it's true or not, personally, I don't I don't agree. But um, these people have a cause. And they said, at the very least, we got to get to the bottom of this. And what they were basically calling for was for Mike Pence to reject the official vote count from states where they were contesting. There were five, I believe. And and then put a hold on things. Maybe that would have meant Nancy Pelosi get, becomes president as Speaker of the House or the, the Senate pro uh, temp, uh, I believe, which would have been Chuck Grassley. Maybe it would have meant Donald Trump. Maybe who knows? Maybe we've gone to the Supreme Court. It would have been chaos. But I will tell you this. There are two problems. If it is true and there are anomalies to consider that there was some kind of fraud and personally, I I don't believe it. Sorry, that's that's not me. Um, And we can talk about that. Then it is incumbent upon if there was something wrong, the administrations, the leaders, the political parties to challenge it in courts as they tried. Unfortunately, many of these lawsuits were kicked back, not because of the standing not, not, not because of their merits, sorry, but because of standing. They said, you're too late. You don't have the right, etc. So these questions never got answered. The system did not adjudicate the problem. In fact, there was a point where 48 states were in a lawsuit over this. I believe it was Texas v. Michigan or something like that, where Texas basically said our rights are being infringed upon because Michigan's got voting problems. I think it was Michigan. I could be getting it wrong. But 48 states had signed on on one side or the other. And that, my friends, is a huge indicator scary to think. Maybe you hate Donald Trump and you would say you lost fair and square. I'll tell you my opinion. As I told Steve Bannon live on Timcast IRL and behind the scenes previously, I know people who are not political, who could not tell you what Supreme Court justice means. You could ask them, can you name a Supreme Court justice? And they would think you were talking about the results of a case. No, a Supreme Court justice, one of the individuals on the Supreme Court, they'd be like, oh, these people voted enthusiastically filming themselves doing it as they voted for Biden. One guy I know left the country afterwards. It was pop culture. It was mainstream. It was virtue signaling. I do believe that the Democrats played a better hand across the board, whatever you might think. And because people hated Trump and the media lined up against him, that influence uh, paid off, that people couldn't leave their homes and all they could watch on TV because there's no movies, no sports was just politics. Boy, did it activate a lot of people against Trump. That being said, the left views what Trump is doing as an illegitimate attempt to steal power. I genuinely believe, though, that Trump genuinely believes everything is true. I just think he's wrong. You know, uh, Steve Bannon is, is, is adamant, Alex Jones and Peter Navarro. I just think they're wrong. I think they see what they want to see. I think they have confirmation bias. I think they have some good political opinions, some bad ones. And I'm willing to hear what they have to say. And I'm willing to be wrong, too. But I'm not willing to adhere to any tribe. That being said, both sides view what happened here as an extreme act against the system. And thus, the system is in jeopardy. 
Like the article I showed earlier from the Inquirer, nothing is more important than Team Trump's January PowerPoint urging a full-blown coup. They say the conspiracy is still happening. Now, this to me is worrying. And we have this. This is from just yesterday. Former Trump advisor Peter Navarro defies how subpoena in COVID-19 probe points to former president's claim of executive privilege. Once again, we are having more and more former Trump administration officials. I think there's just a couple of them, to be honest who are defying subpoenas citing executive privilege. But a court has ruled against Trump already that executive privilege does not extend after you leave the presidency. And thus, it's up to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden wants to release this stuff. But are people going to sit back and just say, do whatever you want? No, they're not. Let's see how far things go. From the soapbox, newrepublic.com. Is criticizing Joe Biden a danger to democracy? Really, as concerns mount over the future of free and fair elections, the debate has broken out about whether the media must protect Biden to save the republic. Are you prepared? As Ray said, when people care more about their causes than the system, the system is in jeopardy. If the media, instead of trying to inform you to give you the truth, to allow you to live a better life, are more concerned about what they think justice looks like, and they are, this is what you will get. The media shouldn't criticize Joe Biden because right now the republic needs a unified front against Trumpism and Trump's conspiracies. So where does this bring us? It brings us to ever escalating conflict. And I'll tell you, it got really close to home. This is a video from Andy No. Well, actually, it's a video from it's made its rounds. I don't know where the original source is, and I apologize for that. But Andy No tweeted this video from the Daily Sneed, who retweeted it from somebody else. Andy says, Violence broke out on Saturday night as a group of Antifa militants in black uniforms showed up at the home of Alderman Kelly Russell in Frederick, Maryland. They gathered there to try and intimidate her into defunding the police. Frederick is about 10 or 15 minutes away from me. Now, look, I've lived in cities where Antifa has acted a fool before, and I left because I don't want to be around places where Antifa acts a fool. Being uh, I, I live in West Virginia. We're setting up an, our new uh, main corporate headquarters on 50 acres in West Virginia, but we have our, our Maryland production facility. We're about, I don't know, like eight miles away from Frederick, Maryland. To hear that this stuff is starting to go on out here, and I mean, some of it has before, but to see it again, you know, it, it's close to home. These are people going to residential neighborhoods and targeting people, screaming at them and ye- yelling things that are just meaningless and make no sense. The escalation is absolutely upon us. I think Ray is correct. I think Charles is correct. I think I was correct years ago when I read security, anal- uh, security company analysis saying the same thing, 30 to 90 percent chance a civil war happens in the United States. It won't look like you think it'll look. It's not going to be the same thing we saw last time. Who knows? It's going to be urban versus rural, which is more akin to how civil wars work throughout almost every other country. The United States was unique in that their civil war was a breakup of the states. There's more to consider. David Frum makes a perfect uh, Twitter thread about how this country will be torn to shreds. He tweets, the great British PM, the Marquis of Salisbury warned, if you believe the doctors, nothing is wholesome. If you believe the theologians, nothing is innocent. If you believe the military, nothing is safe. At some point, it's the job of politicians to to decide we're safe enough. To follow Hotline Josh's point, unless the U.S. moves to vastly stricter vaccine mandates, which I would favor, but which is plainly not going to happen, the U.S. still uh, will stall at present vaccination levels. He says, it seems the best option is keep encouraging vaccines and boosters, impose vaccine mandates where it can be done. Otherwise, return to normal as fully as we can, especially the schools, and let hospitals quietly triage emergency care to serve the unvaccinated last. 
This is a really good example of how the country gets torn to shreds, that there are people who can't undergo vaccination or personally just don't want to for, for a variety of reasons, and that they would be they would be discriminated against based on this. I mean, I, I, I reference Pete Parada quite often as an example of this, the former drummer of The Offspring, who, because of his Guillain-Barre syndrome, is unable to get the vaccine, was kicked out of the band. He lost his job after 14 years. This is untenable. We can't have a society that does this. But my friends, let's not even bother with the stupid politics, because politics matters so very little to most people. And that's that's true. Causes. I certainly think Ray is correct. I think Charles is correct. And I think abolition of abortion may be a prime catalyst for the conflict come June 2022. Who will win? I don't know. I'm not convinced that the pro-abortion crowd has the zealotry amongst their ranks to, to do anything about this. I don't think they care that much. I think the people who care, uh, who are pro-life, have an, a, a moral, a strong moral position on this. But what will that mean? I, I honestly don't believe that you will see pro-choicers, and I think it's not the right word, pro-abortion, storming into red states to open abortion clinics. But you probably will see pro-lifers storming into blue states to shut them down. If you're on the left, you can by all means say that's wrong. Absolutely. I don't like violence. I don't, I don't, I don't like that at all. I don't like abortion, but I don't like the government's involvement. And that's a very difficult position to be involved in. But you, but you have to wonder about, I mean, the, 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 there's, there's, there's struggles here and there's parallels to the, to, the, to the last civil war. When people talk about slavery as a catalyst for the civil war, they're correct. States' rights, close second. But the core catalyst was slavery, a slave state, abolition, abolitionists, you know, attacking and raiding. But the reality is there were other deep-seated issues in this country that was dividing the states. In fact, I believe it was Texas that basically said the reason they joined the South, the Confederacy, was because of geography. It wasn't just any one thing, but it was mostly slavery. That is to say, as we march towards June 2022, which for all we know, they won't overturn Roe v. Wade and the left is exaggerating or freaking out. As we get closer there, we need to consider all the other issues that are at play. And tribalism plays a very important role. But there's one issue that you need to understand precipitates conflict, revolution and civil war. And it's this from CNN. Food is more expensive than it has been in decades. If you've listened to me, you've heard me say it. If you've studied up on the Arab Spring, you'd have heard them say it. I'd like to take you back in time to, I believe it was 2011. And we're in Tunisia. I believe it was, what was the guy's name? I can't remember his name. It might have been Mohammed Naboos. I could be getting that one wrong. That might have been the live streaming guy. But there was a man who was trying to sell fruit from his fruit cart, struggling to get by. And the police... They just kept shaking him down and finding him and taking his fruit. And he could not survive. He didn't have the money to eat. What was he supposed to do? You wouldn't let him just live. So he immolated himself. Powerful protest statement. If I cannot live, then so be it. And this sparked the Arab Spring. First, the uprising in Tunisia, and it spread as more people said enough. But upon analysis, there have been many experts who said the catalyst for this was the rising food prices. If people can't eat, people get mad. But it makes sense, right? You ever see those cute videos where there's like a lion next to a rabbit? And the lion doesn't bother the rabbit because the lion is fat and happy. You see animals in captivity. 
if they are fed consistently, they don't want to fight anyone. And that's true in nature as well. When it comes to fighting, all animals avoid it because fighting has, has it's, it's just natural selection. Animals that engaged in instigated fights were more likely to take damage and then more likely to die. So those that survived were the ones that were only willing to fight when absolutely necessary. And that means today, animals that are well-fed consistently are not going to bother attacking or hurting anybody for the most part. They can still be aggressive. It's still there. Lions are still dangerous. Don't go near them. And so are bears. But you'd be surprised to see a predator animal and you're like, why isn't it killing that chicken? And it's like, well, it doesn't need to. That being said, you know, cats like to kill for fun. But my point is, for humans, when we are fat and happy, we have no reason for conflict. We are well fed. But as food prices start increasing, and it's becoming harder and harder for people to get by, and people are refusing these garbage wages, I tell you this, eventually someone's going to say, I can't feed my children anymore. That's the warning I gave everybody. They told me, Tim, I can't speak up because I must feed my kids. And you've heard me complain about that quite a bit. But think about where this leads us. Someone unwilling to speak up today out of fear their kids won't be fed. What do you think this person will do when they're fed when when they're fed when their kid can't be fed? Then you will be dealing with parents who will say, I will do anything. To save my children. And if their kids are in jeopardy and they're not today, for the most part, there are in many ways, but not starving, then you will see people do crazy things now. Food prices being high does not mean that this is all going to happen right now. Because expensive food, Americans are still overweight. So we're a long way from that being a a big issue. But it is expanding. Look at this from the Daily Mail. Toss away your money. Bloomberg is mercilessly mocked for advising Americans to spend their paycheck immediately and borrow lots of money as a way to cope with inflation. It's getting bad out there. People aren't going to be able to own homes. They're going to get evicted. And they're going to demand revolution. And there's going to be a socialist faction. And the capitalist libertarian faction is going to say no. And people are going to fight. Quote, Biden gave out way too much free money and nobody wants to work anymore. Arkansas IHOP posts message blaming the president. Here we go. Philadelphia Popeyes posts no homeless sign banning them from the store. Why? Because there's more and more homeless everywhere. It's all escalating, isn't it? No, I don't know when. But I'm bullish. Not that's a. It doesn't mean I'm happy, right? Bullish doesn't mean I. I want something to happen. I don't want it to happen. I'd love nothing more. You know what? Let me tell you this, guys. Guys, the the natural state of this world is conflict, and we've been this this generation that we've been in has been a golden age. We have lived better than our parents did. As much as millennials don't want to accept it, we have. There's been no war or conflict. I mean, there has been. I get it. Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, etc. But not like we've been drafted and forced to go fight. These are garbage wars of oil expansion and influence for, you know, the, the neocons, and the neolibs. We weren't forced to fight in World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. A lot of people were. Now, in this generation, we've become obese. We've just sit around and it's been nothing but gluttony. And the things I describe as just wanting those things, that's the golden age. And we're falling out of it. The United States has been at war for almost its entire existence, only a few years not at war. That's the natural state of things. And it's scary that's the case, and we want that not to be the case. But that's where we're drifting. I would encourage everybody to get out more often. The left, these, these establishment people like to say that, you know, I, I live in this bubble world. And it's like, no, you don't understand. We go out and we try to get out of it as much as possible, and we do. 
But when we talk about these things, you need to understand it's coming from a middle of the road kind of regular perspective. We're not Q Trump supporting conspiracy people. We're certainly not establishment cultists. You know, Tim Castile Rowell's an eclectic bunch, not a group of hardcore conservatives, some conservatives, some libertarians, some weirdos, you know, Ian, whatever he is. And then me, center left libertarian, but we believe in reality. I think we are inching towards that conflict because people want it. I don't know what else to expect, but I know that we should be prepared for the worst, but hope for the best. Maybe these men are right. Maybe I'm right. Maybe we're all wrong. We'll talk more about it later tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. So come come hang out. And thanks for hanging out now. We'll see you all then. Again, youtube.com slash timcast IRL will be live at 8 p.m. And we'll see you there.